Okay. This is the very first live 10 pin life podcast. I have a wonderful guest that is waiting in the uh, stream yard waiting room here. So, uh, but let's not go too crazy with an introduction. Let's get right into it. All right, new intro and everything, and honestly, what a better way, what is there a better way to start off the first live podcast? Uh, Ten Pin Life is, uh, this is podcast number 12, and joining me today is Matt Farber. I'm going to get him jumped in here. Uh, Matt is the Director of Business Development at KR Strike Force. He is also a fist pumping champ, as we can all see, and uh, I actually was able to meet Matt through Dakota Vostry, who also works at KR Strike Force. So Dakota was actually don't give in... Dakota any credit for anything. I'm going to give him this much credit. Actually, I'm going to give myself all the credit because if it weren't for me, and if it actually weren't for the Lane guy at AMF West, we would have never even connected because Dakota left one of his bags in Milwaukee. And I was like, and I was like the last guy there because my car battery died. And it was like, Hey dude, uh, I see that this sticker has your name on it. Would you like your bowling balls? And then he ended up adding me on Facebook and it was, uh, he invited me to be on your guys's, uh, live stream during the players championship. And that was the first time that you and I ever met. So, um, and now it's been, I think it's been a pretty, pretty cool couple of weeks just getting to interface with you and, and understand a little bit about what you do at KR, um, but also your past and, and everything and kind of what you're looking forward to as well. So first off, thanks for being on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, dude. It's been uh, cool to see what you've done so far in such a short amount of time. And, you know, we've had plenty of offline chats here, but, mm-hmm. um, really excited to see what, uh, your page here and what your YouTube channel uh, grows into and and we're just kind of excited to in whatever capacity we can be be along for the ride so yeah shout yeah. out to you man i appreciate it i appreciate it so um we're gonna start off in kind of a weird spot because that's always where i start these podcasts is, okay uh, during the let me get a little closer st- to the computer here. during the live stream of the, uh during the players championship matt you brought up this thing that you referred to as the wax pencil game I have no oh, idea what the wax pencil game is, so I need you to t- I need you to inform me and inform the masses of what that actually is. Well, the you know the wax. I got my headphones. I'm a mess. <laughs> I got my headphones on my microphone. I got, I'm all over the place here, folks. Let me switch this to the other ear so we don't there have we any more problems with that. But you know the wax pencil joke started a long time ago. By a long time ago, I mean probably like I don't know six years ago, seven years ago. I went to go bowl uh, the Ozarks tournament, um, mm-hmm. and it was me, Greg Young, Brian O'Keefe, Shannon O'Keefe, and Jason Milligan. A lot of really good friends of mine, obviously. And, <laughs> and that's so, not a terrible five to have. <laughs> no, but, no, it was it was an incredible five to be bowling with. And so we went there, and right around that time, it was when people were trying to get on staff for anything and everything that they could possibly get on staff for. Sure. So. People were getting on staff, you know, with a tape company and people were getting on staff with, you know, uh, I I don't even know, a plastic packaging company, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like uh, a wrapper, like anything people were trying to get on staff with. And so we were like, oh, you know, we made the joke like, oh, you know, like we could probably 
you know, ask people if they want to be on wax pencil staff. And that's where the joke started. And so we created me, Brian, Shannon, Jason, and Greg, we created this fake staff, this fake company called YW Peeps. And it stood for yellow wax peeps, like yellow wax pencil peeps. And we made t-shirts and everything. We got a logo designed and Chris Vi became our first staff player. And so he signed the contract with us about yellow wax pencils. And we had a Facebook post about it and everything. It got like three, four or 500 likes, whatever, you know, Chris Vi gets because he's a superstar. Oh yeah. And then Greg signed as an actual staff player as well. And so it got even more exposure. And then we posted and we said, hey, if anybody is interested, we created an email account. We said, if anybody is interested, you guys can, can apply to be a part of this yellow wax pencil staff, YW Peeps, okay? Mm-hmm. And so we started this email account. Within 30 minutes, the email account was taken down because it thought that we were a spam email account oh because we got so many applications just in those 30 minutes. So <laughs> we were receiving all these emails. I see them, I see them, I see them. And then all of a sudden everything disappears. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I look into it and it turns out that the account was taken down and literally it, poof, it all went into thin air because we were getting so many people that wanted, <laughs> didn't even know what YW Peeps. It's not like we ever announced YW right. Peeps is the best. We never announced it and people just wanted to be on staff. Yeah. So, you know, we did end up signing one other person to the staff. His name is Kevin Donovan. Um, and he made possibly the funniest resume because that was the joke, right? When you apply, yeah. we weren't going to take anybody with a real bowling resume that was only showing bowling accomplishments. We were going to take people <laughs> that were like, you know, yeah, they're saying, you know, all time snow shoveler in Eastern Pennsylvania, right? Or whatever it was. And so, so Kevin made the most creative resume I've ever seen. And he wrote things like, you know, two, he's like, went to Chipotle every single day for 360 days straight. You know, he's like, uh, missed the 10 pin by three and a half feet to the left one time, you know, like he had all this creative stuff. Yeah, and so we're like, right. Kevin, you deserve to be on staff. You're on staff. Um, and then, you know, over the years, it kept on being like a fun little thing that we did. But, you know, fast forwarding to here at KR, you would never guess right out of all the products. And you can see some of them behind me mm-hmm. out of all the products that we have. You would never guess how high demand of a product the wax pencils are. And yeah. how much people really, especially pro shop guys, obviously value the wax pencils. So it all just kind of comes full circle. I, I started having a fake wax pencil brand, and now I actually work <laughs> at a place where we actually do sell wax pencils. Um, and uh, it's just been a, a, a really cool story for me. That's that is absolutely hers. And that's that's actually that's such a good transition because I think what it does is it kind of highlights a lot of different avenues on number one, how did you get to that point of being able to bowl with those four people at the Ozarks and and kind of how the 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 life of bowling brought you to that point and then also how you've kind of you know you've kind of had that full circle since then. And I kind of want to hit on both sides because um for those that don't know who you are, I mean, you have a, you have a pretty impressive resume. I, I, I mean, to going back all the way, you know, you're all American in high school. I believe it was when you were a senior in high school and it didn't, it didn't slow down since then. Um, how do you encapsulate those kind of five years from, from high school and into McKendry? 
Yeah, it was a really interesting time. You know, when I was in high school bowling, I wasn't really recruited by anybody that honestly for college bowling, the honest, honestly, the only person that ever reached out to me about bowling in college was Chris Prather and Chris Prather was texting me a couple times a week. And, you know, and I, cause I met him at team masters one year, I bowled well and he bowled next to me and we kind of became buddies. And he's like, dude, mm-hmm. you should come for a visit. You can bowl, you know, you're a good player. You should come, you should come, you should come. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, I don't, I don't really want to go, you know, kind of want to stay closer to home. And that was um, at Wichita, right? Yeah. He yeah. was trying to recruit me to go to Wichita. And yep. so that was the only person that had contacted me out of anybody. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, like, you know, telling Chris Prather, Hey, no, I don't want to come bowl <laughs> with you. seems like it, it's an insane decision. Right. Right. Um, and so I ended up just going to college. I just wanted to go to school just for school to focus sure. on school. It was never my plan to bowl full time on the tour. So I knew that I was going to have to have an education. Mm-hmm. And so I went to a great school uh, on Long Island, Stony Brook University. Um, and then it just so happened that the summer after I graduated high school, I made junior team USA for the first time. And it started becoming clear to me, like, I, I guess I could do this at like a really high level. And um, through the team USA program, that's how I met Brian and Shannon O'Keefe. That's how I met Jason Milligan, who works at USBC. That's mm-hmm. how I met Greg, who's still one of my best friends to this day. I just went over and had dinner at his, at his apartment last week. So um, it really, it was a very quick transition to all of a sudden just thinking, hey, bowling's just going to be something that I do kind of for fun. And bowling is going to be something that's going to play a tremendous role in my life. And so mm-hmm. then throughout college, uh, you know, Stony Brook, we had a club team. I played, I played with the team for, you know, three semesters or so, and then it didn't work out. You know, I just, yep. I wanted to move in a different direction. So then for the next two years, I just bowled on my own and focused on junior team USA and trying to make that transition into team USA. Um, and then after, you know, my time was up at Stony Brook, um, you know, Brian O'Keefe approached me and he was like, Hey man, you know, uh, Shannon and I could use some help at McKendry. Are you interested? And, um, I said, yeah, sure. What do you have in mind? It's like, you know, you can come here, get your masters, be a grad assistant. You'll coach the teams. It'll be a great experience for you. You know, you can actually live with Shannon and I, you know, which was an incredible offer, right. You know, as a a young kid with not a lot of money and, you know, they're like, look, come live with us, save on, you know, save yourself some expenses and Mm -hmm. just really kind of them. Um, and so not only did I become best friends with them, but I lived with them for like two and a half years, you know? Um, and so, really grateful to them for all the help that they gave to me. So that was kind of the transition and it just kind of took shape. Um, and then the second, you know, the O'Keefe's are really special people and, um, and, you know, they, they're not afraid to do things that are outside of the box because Mm -hmm. it's what's helped them be so successful. Right. I mean, their husband and and wife, they work together, which for most people would be a disastrous, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, component to a relationship. They, Uh, they work together on the coaching side. Then they work together on the ball rep player side, which they've done for a lot of time on the PWBA tour. Mm -hmm. They obviously are husband and wife. So they have that component. So they wear a lot of different hats in their relationship. Um, And so they do a lot of things differently. And, you know, when I was at McKendree, my second year, because I only bowled for three semesters at Stony Brook, I still had two years of eligibility left. So I would always joke around with Brian and Shannon. And the first year that I was there, the guys, when I was helping coach the guys team and the girls team, the guys finished second at the national championship. And the girls team became the first uh, NCAA Division II school to ever win, uh, to become the first non-Division I school to ever win the NCAA championships. And then they also won the USBC championships. Mm -hmm. Um, So they won both in in one year, the second team to ever do that. And um, so the second year, I'm like, 
ah, Brian, Shannon, you know, it wouldn't be so funny if I just bowled my second year here. But I was like, I don't think it would ever work because the biggest part of it was, you know, getting a scholarship to get my master's, being a yeah. graduate assistant. And so um, after I, uh, you know, after enough joking, I guess, two weeks later, they talked to the team sports psychologist, they talked to admissions, they talked to the athletic director. And then one day they just walked downstairs and I'm just like relaxing in the living room. They threw a jersey at me and they said, all right, you're in. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, you'll coach the girls team and then you'll bowl with the guys team. So it was a crazy year. We ended up winning the national championship. Um, my one year bowling at McKendree, which was a really good experience. And um, it, uh, you know, it, it all worked out and, the, you know, it was a great experience. But I think that's just the kind of thing that happens when you do what you love and you're surrounded by great people. Um, and it was, you know, looking back on it, it was a really wild, really wild two years. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm curious because like that decision to go to a school that's more local, even though you know, nowadays, if anybody, you know, let's who, who's bowling at or just Brandon Biano would probably be a good example of a guy that just graduated from Wichita. Like if some kid in high school was like, no, I'm not going to go do that. It would be kind of I think it would be a little bit more weird today. But um, tell me a little bit about that decision, because I think, you know, um, and we're going to get into talking a little bit more about youth bowling and sort of where it is. Cause I, I think you and I agree pretty substantially that it's actually in a really good place. And we need to capitalize on it. Um, but what was that decision like for you? Like, did you expect you, cause when you, you made the education first decision, but did you expect life to keep you in bowling the way that it has? No, you know, I grew up on long Island and it was always kind of my dream to be in a really fast paced, intense, high pressure, type of position in New York city and work in, in whether it was finance, whether it was uh, large corporations that are headquartered in New York city, you know, that was always kind of my dream. Mm -hmm. um, and my passion business has always been a passion of mine. And then it just so happened, right. That I developed this passion for bowling, you know, throughout my late teens and early twenties. And, um, and, and so I, I never would have expected the two of them to combine because the one thing that I think is a common misconception just in general is that there's not a whole lot of opportunity in bowling. And uh, I think that the world of bowling is in a really special place and there's so much opportunity. And I think that the closer that you get to it, you know, maybe on, on the actual bowling side, it doesn't seem like it sometimes, even though there is tons of opportunity out there. I think that just in the industry as a whole, there's so much opportunity, especially for the younger generations right now. And um, if I knew from a younger age that this was the way that it was, if the industry was in the, in the place that it is, I, I would certainly probably have done things differently um, and not spent so much time outside of it. But, you know, mm -hmm. I think that it was a really, really great experience. And I think that, you know, being able to be welcomed back kind of in a professional sense has been, you know, one of the things that I value the most and I appreciate the most. And, you know, I think that the only way that you can learn these types of things is by being involved in it and by being around it. And, you know, I learn every single day here at KR that there's more and more and more opportunity than I ever thought. And every day I come across a new potential opportunity um, mm -hmm. and, you know, it just amazes me. So, you know, to all the young people out there that are in high school or college and you're interested and you're like, hey, I like bowling. And whether it is you like bowling and you also like science or you like bowling and you also like media or you like bowling and, you know, you you like research and development. Right. Whatever it is, you like operations, you like manufacturing. Right. There's so many different components, you know, that 
you can really, if you like bowling and you find another passion that you have, you really can combine it and you can, you can find yourself an opportunity somewhere in the industry. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. It's, it's, there's, it's a very, what is it? A very vertically integrated industry. There's so many things that bowling does inside of bowling where it's besides like shipping, like bolt, like bowling people like do everything within bowling from the point of we buy the chemicals to the point of we need to ship it from the distributor to the pro shop it's like they do everything else in between and there's very few industries that actually do that so um that's i i I know there's a lot of steps between where we were and where we're going but i think it's a good transition because i i know a little bit about what your role is at kr um but I know it's also relatively new to kind of everybody, um, including me, by the way, including yourself. <laughs> right. So you're the now if I if I read it correctly, you're the business development manager at KR Strike Force. KR is in Chicago. KR has been around for a really long time, um, but it seems like you guys are kind of um, adjusting your strategy. So tell me a little bit about kind of what your role is, kind of what KR is for those that maybe not, that might not be aware um, and kind of where you see the, the company and your role kind of going. Yeah, uh, so you're 100% correct. You know, a business development manager, director of business development. It's mm-hmm. all, you know, it's all just so, a title, honestly. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, we're not people that are very big on titles here, but it's easier mm-hmm. to explain what you do sometimes. Yeah, you got to put something on the business card. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it can't just be like, you know, morale leader, you know, like right. the guy that gets everybody to smile a little bit and laugh a little bit. Um, although that's probably some of the most value that I bring is just, you know, the ability Comic to relief. laugh. And that's, that's, and that's not I'm saying that at. I'm all that funny. It's just saying that, you know, I'm pretty average and everything else. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it's, it's really my responsibility here kind of in KR is, you know, when I, I actually interviewed with KR four or five years ago, um, and it just wasn't the right time in my life, but you know, the universe works in uh, kind of mysterious ways. And so was able to get back in touch with the, with the guys and, uh, and the team here at KR. And it just worked out to where, you know, it was a good time, good fit. COVID was happening still is obviously, but yeah. it was happening, um, a lot, a lot more intensely at the time. And I was just reaching out just to connect, reconnect, see what was going on, mm-hmm. had no expectations of it leading to a job offer, but it ended up, ended up happening and um, moved to Chicago, and it really has been my responsibility kind of to um, just try to find new areas where we can be successful, improve existing areas that we have um, that, you know, could use improvement that I have some skills um, and some knowledge of, and then also try to be creative and think of new ways to grow our brand um, and to tell people about the amazing bags and the amazing shoes and accessories and all that stuff that we already make. And so that's really what what my day to day job entails. Um, and I'm really grateful for it because, you know, the, the team here, all the people here at, at KR are beyond amazing. And it really takes a great team to be able to get stuff done. And the reason why we've been around for so long and we've been so successful is, is because of the people that we have on board. And so, um, you know, I get to really spend my day with my head in the clouds and be creative and be fun and think of cool new ideas. And we've got a lot of things in the works, which we're really, really excited for. And then um, on top of that, you know, we also um, execute stuff, right? We, we go to, that's the most important thing. And, and one of the things that I try to, um, you know, I, I aim to hang my hat on over the course of my career in the industry is, is being, being able to execute things consistently mm-hmm. and completely. And so, 
Um, it's been a blast and I've learned so much, not only just about our company, but the industry as a whole. And, you know, um, it's going to be an exciting time. We've for 30 plus years been the licensee of some of the biggest brands in the industry. Mm-hmm. And now is the time where we're solely focusing just on the KR brand. Um, mm-hmm. And I say that as we've got motive shoes up here, we've got the <laughs> motive spare balls, right? Uh, so we do have, still have some partnerships, but um, doing things in a, in a different, in a different, uh, in a different way. And yeah putting the primary focus on our brands as opposed to putting the primary focus on other people's brands and, um, you know, and, and really making that our main priority and having our brand kind of just be the afterthought. That's not how it's going to be anymore. And so we're really looking forward to it. And, you know, we're grateful from all the supporters that we've had in the industry from um, all the different partners that we have. And, and we're really excited about everything. Yeah, dude. Uh, we got Chris chiming in. He's on YouTube. He says it's three balls from you guys. He's given props to the dual or the the wider wheels. I uh, I think you and I were talking about it when we were doing the live stream that my wife got the dualies and that man, those bags are awesome. And I'm not here to just hype you guys up, but you got to give credit where it's due. Um, so I guess I, I'm curious because you know that's one of the things. Um, let's 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 you know you say that we live in the in the clouds a little bit. I'm right there with you. I'm always yeah. somewhere off in the ether, but the concept of 10 pin life is bowl and we just kind of hit on it is living a career or living a life having a career um even just having a, a such a deep passion for within the for the context of bowling is so much more than i'm going to compete at the highest level against the greatest bowlers in the world and i mean i mean to be fair you know you at, at least at one point and i don't know if you still do but at least you know if you're you probably had a game that had you gone down that path I mean, really, really ground yourself, you know, into it. You probably could be, you know, competitive. I don't know if you'd be a national title holder or anything like that. That's oh, I, I would know. be. Don't make, don't, don't get it. All right, I would be. All right, I, I, <laughs> I'll give it to you. Why not? I got nothing to lose. No, it's, <laughs> but you know, you were, you know, when you make when you make Team USA five times over the course of eight years or five years, um, whatever it is, um, it, it make it that is not an easy feat to do. You know that that puts you up in the upper echelon, and even still. With that, you know, you made the choice to live a life in bowling in a much different way. So um, I think it's pretty cool to just like for people to essentially just know about that. But the other side of that, and and this kind of brings us back back in time a little bit, is you're a certified mental performance coach as well, which that's a whole other ball game, right? And, and you know, because we we definitely have the the gears that make the industry go. And those are really, really important. You know, if you don't, I, I think that as much as the, the competition can sometimes get a little bit um, aggressive between bowling ball companies. One thing about it is the fact that they're pushing so hard in technology. It does make, I, I think it keeps people interested in the sport. It is something that is an accelerator and you have to have people making quality products that are, you know, reliable and they deliver on time and all that stuff. The gears have to turn, but also the, the, the people that are actually in the sport. Um, this was actually my big highlight on why I think USBC should release the patterns for nationals is like, it's also about accessibility and making it, making it available for people to succeed in the sport. and mental performance is almost the entirety of bowling. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, um, right? What was, what was the uh, process of going and, and like, how did you go from I'm somewhere to now I'm a certified mental performance coach? What was that kind of like? And what have you done with it? Yeah. You know, the mental performance coach was, 
kind of an idea, you know, in 2018, I was fortunate enough to make Team USA. Mm -hmm. And after I made Team USA, I, I took a step back and I said, okay, hold on a second. You know, that was when I had interviewed here at KR. I'd also mm -hmm. interviewed with another big bowling company in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what, like, you know, could I, I could find a job anytime, you know, with my education and with, you know, with people that I know, whether it's in bowling or out of bowling, I'm sure I could find something somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and once I realized that I said, you know what, I don't know if I'll always be able to try to give it a, a full blown go here with, um, you know, with bowling and taking it seriously. And so once I had, you know, made that decision at Team USA, I, you know, I put all my kind of eggs into the bowling basket, into the competing basket. And, you know, I started bowling a lot more. And what I had learned was throughout my time at McKendree, throughout my time bowling and leading up to making Team USA, the one thing that really helped me and the one thing I always struggled with as a kid and as a, as a teenager and as, in my young 20s was um, – was the fact that, you know, it was my mental performance, you know, my confidence was always low, I was always anxious, stressed, you know, I, I, I always struggled with that. And so I really dove into that. And I started learning, like, uh, you know, I thought, like, there's got to be ways, there's got to be techniques out there that you can use to help boost your confidence. There's got to be ways that you can, you know, improve your self image, there's got to be ways that you can relax and reduce the stress and anxiety. I'm like, there's got to be ways, you know, there's mm -hmm. people that are in way more stressful positions than just bowling in a local tournament, you know, there's got to be ways. And so mm -hmm. when you when you I researched it, I found a lot of great books, um, and learned a lot of great techniques. And that's what helped me make the jump. And when you apply that stuff, and it helps you in your life, right, there's no easier way to, to buy into it, mm -hmm. um, than to see the, the changes that it makes in your personal life. Um, and so so that's why I got into it. And so when I started bowling more uh, at a high level, you know, competing for Team USA, traveling overseas, and, um, and you, you learn how important that stuff is. And I wanted to try to help uh, the younger generation, some younger kids and say, you know, hey, I, you know, I went through a lot of stuff in my bowling career. I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I quit for about a year when I first got to McKedry cause I was so fed up and fried out and I was like, mm -hmm. and then, and then I go back to make a team USA. I'm like, man, I wish I never would have taken that year off. I probably could have accomplished a lot. Mm -hmm. So I don't want other people to go through that. So that's why I started doing it. Um, you know, I've gotten the opportunity to work with a lot of different college programs. Uh, I've worked with SCAD. I've worked with Indiana tech. Um, you know, I've worked with Mount mercy. I've, I've worked with a lot. I've worked with a lot of athletes one-on-one. -on -one. I also worked with, um, you know, a, a lot of youth athletes, collegiate athletes. And so, um, you know, it was a good stage in my life where it was really what I wanted to do and what I really wanted to focus on doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then throughout COVID, I realized, you know, it was starting to shift a little bit in my mind. I was like, you know, I, I kind of feel like I would like to be more in a, a mentor type role and not so much maybe in the sports psychologist type role. And I was kind of at a crossroads. Do I want to go back to school, get my master's, be really properly trained to be able to help people? Mm -hmm. um, and get an, a second master's in some sort of clinical psychology, sports psychology, uh, mental health counseling, something like that. Um, or do I want to revisit my passion for business um, mm -hmm. and go back that route? And so, you know, I ended up uh, making the decision, you know what, I would much rather be more of a mentor to people and give advice when, when it's asked upon me sure. um, on the side and not necessarily do it to try to make a career and make money out of it because mm -hmm. um, it just didn't feel right to me. Um, yeah. And so, 
so that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, um, I still work with a handful of athletes on kind of a regular basis, Landon Jordan being one of them, mm-hmm. um, PBA junior national champion. And I say that not to try to I, a, take credit or be, you know, uh, kind of uh, get some clout from it, but it's really just a testament of, to me, the coolest part about it has been getting to work with really high level athletes and just people and learning from them. Like mm-hmm. it's, it may sound crazy. Landon's 15 years old. I've learned an unbelievable amount from working with Landon, um, mm-hmm. just about life in general. And so getting to do that and connect with people, you know, that's one of my favorite things to do is connect with other, you know, other people that are ambitious and that want to accomplish a lot. And so, um, it's done a lot of really cool things for me. And the best thing about mental performance is that it applies to life as a whole. And mm-hmm. so whether you're bowling or you're just going through something in, in everyday life, you know, the techniques that you learn can help you everywhere. So that's been, you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest win from that entire experience for me. I'm curious. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a little bit of an aside and then I'm going to see if I can transition this into the question that's in my head. So my day job is um, I actually work at a veterinary clinic and I work in marketing there. But one of the big things is, you know, we're trying there to like shake the mold of how that entire industry is run. It's the, the idea of where I work is to be the force of change and, and to completely you know, use the foundation that exists, but to it's, it's time to basically evolve and level up. And one of the big things that we actually discovered was um, that there are four variables that keep people away from being star players and it's um, confidence, competence, um, uh, clarity and consistency. So like the, when we have conflict or when we have somebody that just doesn't kind of meet expectations, the question is what of the four C's was missing? It's not that, you know, cause we never say that you had poor intentions because anybody that works in the veterinary fields doesn't have poor intentions. And I think that that pretty much applies to any professional athlete too. It's like, I didn't fail because I wanted to fail. I just was missing something. And what we've actually found is as we get these as the uh, workforce has turned over um, into, you know, as they get younger and younger compared to me getting older and older is that um, competence or ability or knowledge is never the issue. They're incredibly intelligent. It is all confidence. Now in your experience, is that something that you would say you've seen similarly or is it what it's, would you say it's more of like, we just don't know. Like if I want to excel, do I not know how to excel or is it, I know how, but I don't believe that I can. Yeah. I think that's a great question. I think it, it differs a little bit for everybody, but confidence is always the number one topic of conversation. And it's interesting when you're at a younger level, that confidence level generally tends to be a little bit lower because mm-hmm. you haven't necessarily have the have had the success to be able to identify with that, not yeah. have it identify you completely, but be able to say, you know what, I'm successful. I've had success in the past and I can keep being successful. And so that's a, a tough thing for a lot of young players. Um, and the competence thing, certainly, especially in our sport with so many variables, um, mm-hmm. I think that does play a role. Not to say that it, people, you know, youth bowlers are stupid because they're not, mm-hmm. they're smarter than they've ever been right. You know, 15 year old bowler right now knows more than a 15 year old bowler ever in the history of bowling, which is great. Um, and so it's just about learning a lot. And then, you know, something that you realize is that when you, there are a lot of athletes that go from being a big fish in a little pond to being a little fish in a big pond. Mm -hmm. And that's when the confidence takes a hit. And so often you see players that a were great. You see kind of two scenarios. Usually you see players that were amazing that go out, and graduate from being a youth bowler to being a professional bowler or a collegiate bowler. 
and they immediately have success and they're like, this is easy. Right. And they don't keep working at it and they kind mm. of take it for granted. And then they fall off the face of the earth. Um, mm. And then they're like, okay, I'm done. Right. Like I, they've never experienced any adversity in their life. And they're just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm over. This is stupid. I hate this. I'm out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've never experienced any adversity. Right. Cause they've always been amazing. Yep. Um, and then there's also people that have a lot of people that are amazing and then they come out right away and they get their butt kicked. Right. And they're like, hold on a second. This has never happened to me ever in my life before. Um, and they struggle to get that confidence back because they're in a place where they've never been, right? They've, they've, they're, or at least they haven't been in a long time, right? Yeah. Because they've been right. successful for a while. So uh, confidence is definitely the number one thing. Um, and very rarely are you able to win at that high level without being confident in your abilities. Yeah. And so um, it, it makes all the difference. And so mm-hmm. I, I totally would agree that confidence is, is probably, you know, one of, if not the most important thing uh, when it comes to mental performance. Um, you kind of brought it up there in, in the middle of that, but just the, I, the where kind of junior bowling is at or youth bowling or just basically anybody that isn't an adult because junior bowling goes up to what the point of being like 24 or something like that. If you really push it, 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 it whatever, everybody yeah, has it, their own limits. around there. Right. And um, you, it, I think you brought up a great point that whatever age they're at, you know, if you if you want to be, you can be the smartest bowler ever in the history of time at your age today. It's the, the information is there. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know a lot about, you know, the, the gross totals or anything, but it, it seems from an outsider's perspective that in the right scenario, youth bowling is growing substantially like junior gold is the biggest it has ever been. Um, I, I hope it continues to grow and be successful. Um, you know, at least locally, it seems like youth programs that are trying are succeeding. The ones that aren't trying are failing. That's like any business ever in the whole world. Um, but what I'm curious about is, you know, um, that, that to me, you know, obviously that's the future of the sport. The future of the sport is in the hands of 12 year olds right now. Um, do you kind of see that the same way? And since you, you know, I, I know you kind of made the joke that you don't really bowl anymore. And I don't know if you actually don't bowl anymore, um, but you did, but you did highlight that you got fried out and you took that year off. Uh, I think a lot of people do that. But um, to me, the biggest gap between bowling being a growing sport is is that transition from being a youth or a junior bowler and then getting into adult bowling, because it seems like there's a ton of interest in the younger in the younger uh, generation. But but it seems like there's a fall off right somewhere. Now, you have a better perspective on this than I do because you lived it. So am I crazy? And if I'm not, how do you think bowling can improve that fall off rate yeah i think i think you're 100 right i think that getting more kids to stick with it for longer obviously will help um will help tremendously right with with adult membership member numbers right or with people that stick with it in both local tournaments or high level tournaments whatever it may be um i think one of the most important things that in our sport, I believe is really far behind is coaching. Mm -hmm. And I think that in order for it to be successful and for kids to 
have the desire and the passion to continue doing something, it's growth, right? Nobody continues to do something for extended periods of time if they don't get better, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just a tiny bit better, if you don't see yourself growing at all, you're not really going to have a whole lot of fun because people just don't like being stagnant in life, right? Yep. People don't like being stagnant in relationships. People don't like being stagnant at their jobs. Hobby is no different. Nobody's going to continue to go play Frisbee golf or real golf for that matter if over the course of time they don't get even a little bit better, right? They don't mm -hmm. improve. They don't learn. And so I feel like right now one of the things that needs to continue improving in bowling to help improve the drop-off of bowlers when they – graduate youth bowling or high school bowling, and then they go to college and they never bowl again, or whether mm -hmm. it's they uh, leave bowling to go play another sport or whatever it may be. I think one thing that will really help that is continuing to improve the coaching that's out there and not just relying on what's, what's available and what's local, right? Yeah. Um, and sure, there are some training centers and really high-level coaches that mm -hmm. are available, um, but I think just improving – the, the knowledge level of all the coaches out there. Um, and I think one of the hardest parts is that we've seen such a shift in the course of the sport, especially in terms of equipment and technology and, and playing style, right? I mean, two-handed bowling obviously wasn't around really 20, 30 years ago, right? Heck, even um, 10 years 10, ago, right, really. Exactly, right. <laughs> exactly, right. But now you go to junior gold and three-quarters of, of the field is two-handed, right? And mm -hmm. so um, – so that's not a part of the game that most people are accustomed to coaching. And so you see a lot of people giving advice for two-handed bowlers. That would be the same for one-handed bowlers. And mm -hmm. very small portion of the time is that necessarily true, right? Where, you know, the one-handed mechanics apply to the two-handed mechanics. It's a totally different game. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to be well-versed in coaching it. And it's not just as easy as going to any person around and being able to say, hey, give me bowling advice, right? Yeah. because it's not necessarily going to work. Um, and so I think one of the things that needs to happen is it needs to be more education for bowlers, but also for coaches on how the sport has changed um, over the course of the last decade. Like you said, right? It's really mm -hmm. been the last 10 years, how the, court, how the ch sport has changed, how playing styles have changed, how lane patterns have changed, how equipment has changed, and helping people get smarter and better. Um, and I think that's, you know, a big component of it. And then the other part of it is that, you know, a lot a big part portion of coaching is really just the physical component of it, but taking a step further and doing the lane play equipment education mm -hmm. aspect of it would help so many kids tremendously um, get better because you can throw it the best in the world, but if you're throwing it the best in the world using the wrong ball in the wrong part of the lane, it doesn't matter, right? No. It really makes no difference. So you might as well throw it everywhere. You'd have a better chance, right? Yep. Um, but you know, so I think that there's this evolution. Like you said, 10 years ago, two-handed bowling really wasn't around. Sport bowling on difficult sport patterns was truly just beginning, right? Mm -hmm. um, and now you can go online and you can find a thousand different sport patterns to bowl on. Yeah. And yet, if you talk to everybody, everybody's like, I don't know how to lean a, read, a, read a lane graph properly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand what my bowling balls are built to do. Yep. Um, you know, and they, and pe but the, the thing is too, and I know I'm rambling here is that people are so hungry to learn more. Mm -hmm. People want the information they want to understand because they want to get better. And mm -hmm. so if we can have more people that have a, you know, a, a better knowledge base of these types of things to be able to pass it on, um, then I think that the sport will be way better off. And, and I think that we'd keep way more people involved with the sport. Um, yeah. and it would be a win for everybody.
Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. And actually, this this is a really good transition. Uh, Simon, who actually created Ten Pin Toolkit, I don't know if you have that app, but um, he sponsored a few of the podcast uh, episodes previously. Hi, Simon, if you're still out there. Um, he he he's taken it upon himself to be one of those resources, right? And um, he's kind of upgrading that app, and and it's it's just you know it's 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 a toolkit. It's not meant to completely change the way that you throw the ball. But it's just it's just an, an extra piece. And and this is and that's a good transition for my next question, because I'm curious about who whose responsibility is it to improve that portion of the game? Because you did. I mean, you were you were I, I remember, right? You and um, Mike Flanagan originated backstage bowling with Shannon and Brian. And was it Shady? Yeah, Shady and Jazz now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an absolute powerhouse group. Yeah, of of, of of even just to have jazz and shady, but and and Brian O'Keefe is probably one of the smartest dudes in the game too, who doesn't get a lot of credit for it because he's not quite as vo- vocal about it, I guess, publicly. But um, it it seemed like you guys decided, hey, we're gonna do something, um, and they're and they're it seems like they're continuing to do that. So I'm curious, kind of what that process was like. Cause you were a part of the team at inside bowling and then backstage bowling came out of that. And I know that's not, you're not in that anymore, but, but it really is stemmed off of the idea of who do you think is responsible to, to actually improve the coaching side of the game? Yeah. You know, I think it just at the, at the most basic level of it, I think it just comes down to people's desire to just help other people, right? Whether you're an equipment manufacturer and you're trying to make the best bowling product because you genuinely want to help other people improve their bowling experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that lies at the heart of, of everything, right? It's got to be everybody's goal to truly genuinely try to help people, not do it for notoriety, not necessarily do it for profit. Um, even though those are two things, right. That, you know, um, people enjoy, right. And, um, there's nothing wrong with either of those things, but at the heart of it, it's really gotta be trying to help other people improve their bowling experience. Um, Mm -hmm. to me, in my opinion, of course. And so I think that, um, I think that what is, you know, uh, in terms of whose responsibility it is, I think it's everybody's responsibility, right? It's the bowler's responsibility to want to learn. Um, mm-hmm. and to want to grow. And that may, may include some setback, right? Some adversity. Um, and so it's the bowler's job to go out there and to look for the information. Then when they're looking for it, it's the industry as a whole's responsibility to have the knowledge out there and the information out there. So those who want to learn can learn about it. And that includes the equipment manufacturers passing down knowledge and information, which, uh, you know, I think overall, all companies combined do a pretty good job of trying to help people understand more. Um, and I, it's also the coaches' jobs for being more readily available, right? And for also passing on that knowledge and that information. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on the bigger organizations that are not equipped manufacturers and that nece- aren't necessarily directly coaching organizations, but it's, it's really everybody. Everybody has a role that they can play and it's everybody's responsibility to do their part. Um, yeah. And so, you know, whether, whether it's us, uh, publishing videos about our new shoes and how yeah. the shoes can improve your performance because they can, right? And yep. understanding how high-performance shoes work or whether it's, you know, detailing our bags and how our bag can make your bowling experience a better experience mm-hmm. or it's a billion other things, right? Um, how to physically throw the ball better or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind yep. of on everybody. And I think that people just 
you just got to be willing to, to try to grow and try to improve. Um, and that's sometimes the challenge with coaching is that some people think that they know everything and they don't mm -hmm. think that there's anything new to learn, but the best coaches like the people we've been mentioning, those are the yep. people that are always uh, evolving their knowledge and they're always growing and challenging preconceived notions of how things work. And that's why they're the best of the best. Um, and so it really comes, comes down to everybody. That's I, I love that answer because, you know, again, kind of going back to my day job is that I, this is, we, we word it as simply as possible. Information is not a asset for you to sell. It's a responsibility for you to give it away because we work a ton within like educative um, communities because we're trying to recruit students. Right. So then you have faculty that's been around forever and it's, it's kind of a similar thing where they've just, they're just turning the same wheel that they have for the last 25 years. It's like, Hey guys, we need to catch up because if we don't catch up, we are already 10 years behind and we have a lot of work to do. And if we don't do it, everything's going to fall apart. So uh, definitely uh, similar. It's, it's, it's funny how there's so many parallels between those two things. But uh, yeah, edu information, education, it absolutely is on everybody. And being able to, the, if, if you, how, how do we put it the, the right way? It's if I'm a day, if I'm a day two bowler, I can teach somebody who's a day one bowler something. Yeah. Right. Like there's something that I know that that person doesn't, that if I tell them they're going to have a little bit of a better experience and, and, and it continues and it continues in being of a, of a growth mindset. And I'm sure that you've read books and stuff on growth mindset versus uh, I, we call it failure mindset, but uh, it, just being able to say, all right, here's an opportunity for us to get better. It, whether it's, I'm going to present you information and I'm going to say, I'm not going to do it in a prickish way is the easiest way for me to put it. Or I'm going to receive information and I'm going to be like, hey, it's not that he thinks I'm stupid. It's because he thinks I'm, he's trying to help. And, and I think that that's one of the most interesting things about kind of the, the culture of the sports overall is I don't think that there's maybe I don't think that there's necessarily a huge gap in that. But I also think that the culture of the sports in and of itself has not been defined as one that is really growth focused. It's recreation focused. And, and to me, I think that's kind of unfortunate um, because what's happened is there's no actual defined culture within competitive bowling. Like we don't know what to expect week to week on the pro tour. Uh, and, and to me, it doesn't necessarily seem like those are the guys know what to do. College bowling is a little bit more intense. Uh, you know, you've you've lived that. Um, I don't know what it's like overseas, but you do uh because you've you you're a gold medalist man like you <laughs> like you did it um so that's that's I, i'm curious i'm sorry if that if that doesn't make sense so if i need to reword this question let me know but um in turn i'm curious what you think the culture of bowling should be defined around like what are the key variables to a successful culture within bowling yeah i think i think one of the uh, and, and one of the things that bowling could really benefit from is more of a collaboration mindset, not necessarily uh, screw you, screw you, screw you, and it's only about me. Yeah. Uh, it sounds kind of counterintuitive uh, when you think of it in a business sense, right? Why would you ever want to collaborate more with other people? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, people in terms of business, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for people to collaborate and for everybody to be successful. And I think that, you know, you can Google it and go online, right? It'll tell you bowling's a $6 billion industry. 
Well, I think everybody would rather bowling be a $50 billion industry. And even if it means having a little bit smaller piece of the pie, having a little bit smaller piece of a much larger pie seems a lot more attractive to me than having a significantly larger piece of a much smaller pie. Um, and so I think that, I think that it's changing and I think it's changing in all sports kind of, you know, like they always talk about in basketball, how like the old school guys, like they were never friends with their opponents. They were never buddy, buddy. They always mm -hmm. hated each other. And now you go on and you, you, they're doing a Jersey swap at the end of every NBA game. It's like, yo, you're my, you're, you're my buddy. You're my friend. I know we compete against each other and we play hard, but at the end of the day, we're all growing together. Um, and I think that that's something that bowling probably could use more of. Um, and, you know, trust me, the irony is not lost on me. The fact that I say, you know, okay, we're only doing our own thing. We're yeah. only are, we're prioritizing ourselves, right? But, you know, we still have great strategic partnerships with companies like Motive, with the PBA. Um, mm -hmm. and, we're, and we're looking to grow more. And um, we're really looking to try to, um, you know, emphasize that collaboration because, Collaboration is key, and uh, if if we can all work together, and it's not necessarily say everybody should promote everybody else's products, no, but it's yeah. it's to say right if we all get together and we share our knowledge and we right and, and we help uh, help each other improve in certain ways, then you know I think that we could um, really continue to grow the sport and change you know um, the you know whatever the culture people think the culture is now. I think that you know we can help improve it and really focus on continuing to growing. And I think it's changing, right? Um, you know, with media and with college bowling, with youth bowling, with the PBA tour, you know, mm -hmm. most people are buddy, buddy now, right? Most people are friends and whether you work at one uh, quit manufacturer than another, you know, people are friendly and, you know, even, even though not everybody's best friends, people are still friendly. Right. Um, and I yeah. think people are really understanding that, you know, you got to continue to work together and collaborate and um and the better off that the, the, i think i think again personally me the more that we do that the the better off that we'll all be yeah i, I can't agree with you anymore and uh andrew pfeffer bowling with the feff i don't know if you know what his channel is if you guys are listening go subscribe to his channel he does a great job but uh he completely agrees too collaboration is key and um so here here's here's kind of the way that i think about it is um I ever since I learned this concept and we, you and I kind of talked about it when we talked on the phone a couple weeks ago, it's is this, this concept of a brand tribe is like our like c consumer behavior is so brand focused. Now, like I, I fully admit I am a brand junkie for Apple stuff. Like I know that I'm in it. I'm just, I'm knees deep in it and it is what it is. <laughs> and, um, and, and I, I, I have a, like I have a really hard time even operating on windows platforms, PC stuff and, and all that. But, um, so, the, but that's just a, an illustration of that, um, brand focus, it or like the way that good brands have, um, created these communities is through creating what we call brand tribes. So if you're in marketing, it's just like, you want to have a customer that's going to buy everything that you produce. They're not, they're not going to question it. They're not going to go look outside the brand. Like if you are an Apple person, you buy Apple products and you're going to want to buy all of them. So there will be days where I'll have my MacBook on my desk and my iPad next to it, my iPhone, I got my watch on. It's like, you're a part of this close knit community. And, and what happened or what is happening, I should say, is those tribes exist within bowling ball companies. Like if you're a storm guy, you're a storm guy. If you're a Brunswick guy, you're a Brunswick guy, so on and so forth. And, and what I think we're saying is, 
I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if you're a Brunswick guy. I don't care if you're a Storm guy. I don't care if you're a Motive guy. Just acknowledge the fact that bowling, the community of bowling is has shrunk to the point that we need to get rid of that title and we need to accept the fact that we are all a part of the bowling community. We're all a part of the the tri the brand tribe of bowling. Yes, we all throw different stuff. Yes, we all you know play different parts of the lane and we throw the ball different lanes, different ways. You know, there's guys who are still dumping on two handed bowling, which makes zero sense to me. It's like no, anybody that's putting shoes on, whether they're it's their date night and they're just going out and they want to bowl a couple games and have some beers, have some pizza, whatever to the guy that bowls six league nights a week and bowls every tournament every weekend that he can uh, shout out to Jerry Mars. He posted the most hilarious meme earlier today. So check that out. But um, he it's, it's all about if you're, if, if, if somebody is willing to put the shoes on and throw the rock, welcome them in. I don't care about anything else. I think that's fair. Am I crazy? No, I think, I think you're spot on. And I, you know, I, I don't even, I don't think it's, you know, a terrible thing for people to necessarily be loyal to a specific mm -mm. brand, but you know, I think just, no, but don't like, be mean to the people that aren't right, loyal to that brand. Right, exa exactly. And you know, um, and I, I get it like, you know, throwing shade at other brands and, you know, um, you know, maybe talking down about other things, you know, is, is it's not uncommon in bowling and outside of bowling. Right. You know, you see, cell phone uh, provider commercials all the time throw shade at, at competitors. Right. And yeah. it's not uncommon, but you know, if you look at the really successful companies in the world um, that, that grow, right. Like take Apple, for example, right. Mm -hmm. Does Apple ever make a commercial ever about how bad a windows product is? No, no they're always just doing their own thing. Does Nike ever make a, a commercial talking about an Adidas shoe? No. Right. Like they're never no. comparing themselves because they know that they're the best. Right. right. Um, and, and they, they know that if they focus on them, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be yep. fine. And so I think it's not only stop you know stop worrying about everybody else, stop throwing shade at everybody else, stay in your lane. But at the also at the same time, working together to find new ways of doing things, to find new ways yeah. to grow, um, and to continue to better just the industry and the sport as a whole. Yeah, oh, that's awesome, man. I, I I'm glad that we're on the same page on that because. I just want if 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 anyone that's listening to this or watching this hears this and was just like, you know what, maybe I'm may, may, maybe like today is just the day that we we open our arms a little bit wider. I'm I'm all here for it. So um, I promised that I would try to keep this to an hour, and we are just about at an hour. So I I know I know I, I don't have league until seven, and it's only five thirty, so I could go further. But, <laughs> um, I'm curious um, with the with kind of your personal direction is you know I, I know you've got everything going on with kr but like are you bowling like what's matt got going on are you not bowling like at all no i haven't really i bowled the open championships in 2019 and sure. um i bowled with a really another great group it was brian o'keefe uh cortez shank uh mike calderon and uh, kyle barnes and it was just an amazing time we finished in eighth place we really gave it a nice run and we had a great time but i busted up my thumb and then I said I would give it time to heal. And um, it took, honestly, four or five months for it to heal. So I didn't bowl for like four or five months. And then uh, it was January. I maybe practiced three games. And, uh, and then COVID hit. And so I didn't bowl hardly at all. And then I moved to sh from New York to Chicago. Um, and, you know, I made the decision to kind of – I had, I think, 50 or 60 undrilled balls. 
and I donated them all to the local youth tour. And uh, I threw the rest of my existing stuff out in the garbage. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm just going out there. No bowling balls, no nothing. And um, I, I haven't touched. I haven't seriously touched. I did have a little spurt uh, in September of last year where I started bowling two-handed, actually. I said, you yeah. know what? I'm going to start up again. I'm going to bowl two-handed competitively. And I practiced for about two weeks, um, started getting into it. And then I got COVID. And then oh. I was sidelined for two weeks. Yeah. And after I was sidelined for two weeks, I went on a flight and I traveled to a couple places for work and, um, and I never really got back into it after that. So, um, so I haven't been bowling. I haven't really, uh, had much of, much of an interest to get back into it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a bunch of us at KR are going to join the league together maybe next year or a couple of years and just have some fun with it. But, um, I've really, uh, continued to develop more and more of a passion for what we do here. And, um, not to say that bowling would take away any time from that because, you know, we have a lot of people that bowl here, you know, we have Benji Martinez, we have Dakota of Austria. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people that like to still compete. And, um, if there's ever opportunity to go compete, we're always saying, go compete, right. Go, yeah. go do your thing. And so, uh, I think that, you know, my focus right now is, you know, finding the things that helped me be a successful bowler and help apply those to more of a, my business life and my professional life and be able to, you know, um, help the company grow, help be, be a part of the team here that contributes and provides a lot of value. And, um, maybe once I get to a place where, um, you know, I I feel like I've got a really good grasp on, on what I should be doing, um, and really how I can continue to make a huge impact. Um, then maybe that might be a time where I, I start to bowl a little bit more, but, uh, really, I mean, I couldn't, can't emphasize enough how, passionate i am about the business side of of bowling and the industry yeah. as a whole and so i think that's where i'm gonna spend a lot of my time for probably about the next five to ten years oh that's awesome man that's awesome i i'm probably gonna bug you at some point once uh like eight march april comes around to be like all right how how is our 10 gonna go actually compete in vegas because our our uh, partner team actually left last year in team was it team no team all events lead um so we're like now now that one of one of our two teams got their picture taken now it's like okay because our to our i i actually bowl with two ladies on our team and we should have beat them in team um and uh so now now it's like all right all right now we can actually think about this because you guys in 2019 didn't you weren't you didn't you leave in the lead no, we were close. I think going to like the last two frames, if we all would have put together like some really solid 10th, 9th and 10th, we would have, uh, uh, maybe it was 8th, 9th, it was close. We If we put it together, we had a chance at the lead with like two or three frames left um, yeah. and we fell just short. I think we left maybe in like fifth place or so. Okay. We we did get a picture taken. Yeah. Uh, it was on my cell phone though. It wasn't by USB <laughs> three, So, <laughs> But I did take a picture of us and uh, – and it was a blast, but making yeah. a run at an Eagle is a really, really cool experience. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I get like, if you ever were to, if when, I, I'm not going to say if, but when, when you get back into it, is that like the big one? I mean, you've, you've won gold medals. You've been on team USA. You've, you know, you've, you've won a national championship at McKendry. Like, is that the other big one? Uh, yeah, I think open championships, that would be a really cool experience. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard. And, but I think, Team play to me, team, team bowling is so much fun. So winning the national championship at McKendry was a blast and yeah. it was a great time. And uh, I think that that was, you know, an experience that I'll hold close to my heart forever. Um, mm-hmm. 
But, you know, bowling in a team anywhere is an amazing experience. And so I would love to um, I would love to give it a run and, and get with a good group of guys and, and have, it, have a fun day. And you, you got to think, you know, if you get with a great group of guys or a great group of people just in general and you bowl it enough times, you're going to come close eventually, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you may take you a bit, but you're going to you're going to find a year where you all match up pretty well and you just got to execute shots and make your spares um, and you'll have a chance. And so I would love to do that. And also I think, um, you know, I'd love to as an amateur, cause I don't think I'll ever get my, my pro card just cause you know, I'm yeah. not bowling full time, but um, I would love to, to make a, make a run at a major one day uh, when I'm bowling a lot. I, I the masters U S open, whatever it is, you know, I've bowled, bowled those events before. And I, I think they're, the biggest events in the competitive bowling space. So I think that um, making a run at an event like that would probably be the top, but open championships. I mean, yeah, it's an event where 60,000 people show up, you know, um, and knowing that you came out on top, you know, that's, that's really incredible. So that, that would be pretty, pretty awesome. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I mean, even just to think about what Chris Vi did this last year, I mean, to put together the 90 frames that he did, is just, it's just unbelievable. It seems like, which oddly enough, the fact that he didn't make the cut at the U S open surprised the absolute hell out of me, but especially you know. since he's, he's been major Chris, uh, right. and he's been bowling big time at all the majors for the past couple of years. Um, but you know, he's still big time. He's, oh he's, yeah. Oh yeah. I think There's no questioning today. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Chris is my dog and I, I love that dude to death. Um, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Bowen's got so much opportunity, whether you're a player or whether you're just in the industry or whether you're someone that just likes watching or hanging out or being a part of it all. I mean, there's, there's, there's space for everybody. Um, sure. and, and that's something that I think is, is really cool. All right, man. Last one, because I don't think I'm going to actually be able to be a part of the KR strike cast uh, during the TOC because I'm going to be in Ohio um, at the show. So whatever, you, dude. I, well, I'm not going to be give bowling. us a live camera view from the I might. show. I'm going to I, I was I'm going to bug you about it. I'm going to see if I can figure out how to get the get one camera here and my phone over here. And it'll we'll, we're going to we're going to try and give her a go. But all right. Um, who's your who's your pick? TLC. Uh, I mean, man, that's a hard that's, one. That's like the hardest one to answer. I mean, it's like people from like the seventies that are still bowling that, that I, I've never met or heard of. Um, and that's not shade at them. That's just, uh, I just, just show goes to show. I don't know uh, everybody. Right. Um, you know, spe- I would really love to see one of uh, the guys that I grew up bowling with, um, on teams with, or, um, or, you know, just became really good friends with. I would love to see one of my really good buddies go out there and win. I would love to see, you know, uh, ones that come to mind. Uh, you know, I, I, would, I would love to see Chris Vi go and win the TOC. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see Darren Tang go out there and win the TOC. Um, I would love to see Simo go out and win the TOC. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's a pretty good buddy of mine. Um, I'd love to watch Bill go out there and win the TOC. That's another one of my, my friends. I love Bill out there. So um, I, I honestly would love to see anybody win. You know, I think it's, I think winning is such a cool experience, especially an event like that. And so, you know, even if they're not a good friend of mine, I mean, it's still really cool to watch and um, to see, to see them experience that, that journey. Oh, another one I would love to win. I'd love Jake Peters um, to come out on top. I don't know. He's does he have a title? 
I so have, well, he, well, I believe he's got at least a regional title, so but I think, can, I think he won. Didn't he win during a summer swing when he was? Uh, yeah, I'm not 100 certain, but if if he's in the field, I'm pulling for that dude. Yeah, um, yeah, you so got That's that's a quick quick little list of. I, again, I'm probably forgetting people that have regional titles that are in there. That you know, so if you see this and yeah. I didn't say you, don't hold it against me. But um, uh, I'll just I'll just go down the line. Uh, Belmo, uh, right, Craver, right. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna start saying everybody I can think of that I know is one. Kyle Troop, everybody, you know, go ahead, go win. I'd love my, to see my it. the one that I want to win because I want him to do what Prather did or uh, no, what O'Grady did. I want yeah. to see AJ. I want to see AJ win it. I want to see yeah, him yeah, go exactly. from the PTQ. I already forgot about it. AJ. He was sitting next to me right. for three hours doing a live stream. I would love to see AJ win. I would love to see AJ win. I would love to see Andrew Anderson win. You know, yeah. like I would love to see all these guys win. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully over the course of their careers, each one of those guys that I just named can win a TOC title or win some sort of win, win a major if they haven't already. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Best of luck to everybody. We're excited. We got a lot of stuff uh, cooking at KR, a lot of really cool stuff um, that involves the PBA tour. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Um, yeah. And uh, we're, we're excited, man. And, and I'm excited for 10 pin life. Uh, so if you're watching this and you're not subscribed to 10 pin life, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, I love how you're plugging my channel for me. Hit I that love notifications, it. you know, cause I know on YouTube, it's a big thing, you know, like it 60, is. 70% of people that watch videos aren't subscribed to what they're watching. So yep. If you're yeah. watching this and you're not subscribed, then you made it an hour into listening to me ramble. <laughs> Do yourself a favor and hit the subscribe button so you can listen to me ramble more in the future. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love I love that idea. I, if if there's anything that you and I are both good at, Matt, it is just rambling somewhat of nonsense. But there's always those gems mixed in there. One thing I learned about myself a few years ago is that I think the best out loud. I can't process very well upstairs if it's quiet. So. I just decided to buy some microphones and some camera stuff and just start making podcasts in a different world. And then it's like, man, this really worked. I should do this bowling. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 at the office, I found this golf club somewhere in the office not too long ago. It's like our VP of operations, his golf club from high school. And it was just laying around the office and it's become my thinking club now. And so uh, yes. everybody understands uh, that I talk to myself a lot out loud and I'm always swinging the club around or just holding it or doing something with it uh, because that's how I think best as well. So we're in the same boat there. I love it. The thinking club. I might have to try that. I'm going to bring one. I lost it for the last couple of days. I forgot I brought it to our little uh, media room upstairs. Um, and so I was kind of freaking out the last couple of days trying to figure out where it was, but I found it today. So I was really happy. <laughs> Yesterday wasn't that. a good day. Today was a very productive day. Cause I had I my thinking Got it. Club. Got it. You got, you re-centered. You found it again. I've got my, uh, got Asen. Uh, he just says, keep up the great work at KR. Honestly, that's kind of a great place to kind of wrap this whole thing up, man. Um, I think what you guys are doing down there is awesome. Uh, you know, I've, I've spent since we talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago, uh, that's been one of the things that I've thought about a lot is just kind of the way that KR is 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 positioned in such a competitive market and um, just what you guys are trying to do and encouraging as much to do domestically as possible and still still stay competitive within within a price range um, that that's reasonable and still making premium products. So uh, uh, give my love to the guys that are down there um, and thank you for for wanting to encourage that and make it a bigger thing because. Um, just personally, the more that we can in- encourage doing things here uh, with, with within the United States, I think is is really cool. So thanks for thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, uh, you know, we really do take a lot of pride in um, in what we do here. And for anybody that doesn't really know what we do, go check us out. Um, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, KR Strike Force. We've also got our custom bowling ball brand, so we can make cool custom bowling balls like this uh, on theballbowling.com. You guys can check us out. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just going to keep trying to push the, push the bowling uh, industry along as much as we can with what we do. And, uh, and like you said, keep collaborating keep growing and and helping others and that's that's really what's important i can man so uh any final thoughts or keys uh or uh, pieces of advice you want to give to the world or are we gonna get um, on with our day here you know i'm thinking here uh it's february 15th i think mm -hmm. probably how many subs do you have right now on youtube uh it, it crossed over 3500 over the weekend i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that by this time next year uh this time next year you'll be north of 70k all right february 15th that's february some big 15th, shoes man 70k that's you know that's that's, that's assuming the fact goal. that no, it's assuming the fact that you you continue to go ham with it uh yeah. if you continue to go hard and keep doing the great stuff you're doing 70k on youtube in a year I'm, and um and then you know, if do you feel like I'm putting too much pressure on you with 70k? Would you rather me say 50k? No, dude. I, I, if if I'm not if I'm not overextending myself, I'm not trying. Just right, that, I went to the I went to the gym this morning and I just complained to my gym partner all day about how I went way too hard yesterday. And she's like, "You should slow down." I'm like, "No, no, that's how this works. Can't do it. <laughs> Can't yeah. do it." Yeah, 70 70k in a year. Um, I'm calling it. So right. when uh, when you when we February 15th might be national 10 pin life care strike force live stream day forever. It, uh, because if, if, if I am correct, then uh, in a year we'll have to have a celebration live stream to where we reflect on how right I was and how smart I am. All right. I, I, I think it's there. I think it's there. And actually, <laughs> uh, actually uh, Eric, who I actually just, uh, Eric just bowled uh, the event that we ran on Sunday and uh, did a great job. He's apparently he's on our side as well. So uh, I appreciate well, don't it, man. Fuck up too much. Uh, too, too much there, Eric. He's not going to give you any discounted entry fees. All right, he's still making no, pay man. full price. It was it was a forty dollar tournament. We don't we don't need to be discounting forty dollar tournaments. I no, need to be but... raising that entry fee, man. I just need bigger sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody. Uh... <laughs> Uh, all right, Matt. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out, bud, and tell, telling your story. Um, I really appreciate it. I know we're going to be doing this more in the future, too. Um, thank you for everything that you're doing over at KR. If you guys are um, not subscribed over there, at least following them on Facebook because you guys are doing the strike casts. I, I believe you're planning on doing those for like every show that's na a national show, correct? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, along with that, we're going to have new shows that are going to be starting up. And so, check us out uh awesome. we'll be going live with cool guys like ben um and talking bowling and trying to spread the love yep absolutely so yeah make sure you guys go check it out facebook instagram uh, i believe you guys are on twitter um but kr strike force brands the same across all of them so be sure to check it out uh matt thanks again man i really My appreciate man. it thanks for having us thank right, have us me have, having me it's too late <laughs> uh thanks for having me i'm signing off see you later everybody. <laughs> i'm done all right all right well Thank you all so much for checking out 10 Pin Life Podcast number 12 with Matt Farber. Uh, it was a lot of fun doing it crazy, doing it live. But uh, you know what? That's enough. Uh, but don't forget, everybody, your best life is a 10 Pin Life. See ya.